0: Hey, 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 this is the rest. I'm Joel Kovacs. The rest of uh, my thoughts, the rest of our church, and hopefully some rest for our souls. This is not a sermon. These are my thoughts and interests, and these are your thoughts and interests. The rest is a time for open and safe opinions, dialogue, discussion, theology hot topics, you name it. And we are here today. We are going to kick off with this segment section of the rest. We are going to start a several part series on the cross and Easter. We are just now heading into that season. Uh, Let's see. So Easter is April 12th. So it's coming up. So we're going to be talking about the cross and about Easter for several parts of the of, of, of the several parts over the next several podcasts. And with me the whole time is going to be um, our one and only John McCambridge. He's here now. How you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. So yeah, John is going to be um, here to kind of go through the beginning parts of this podcast, and then we are going to go all the way into the cross. We're going to talk about that as much as we can and then we're going to move into the resurrection and of course they're not mutually exclusive but we're going to talk about them both we're going to, we're going to focus on them both and i'm i'm looking forward to moving into this season and kind of putting down in this conversational format what i would say probably a a maybe an informal representation of the church's theology hmm. on uh the cross and on Easter and the resurrection, yeah. And so, for people that are, um, you know, part of our church, if you're ever wondering more, this is this is a great resource. You know, you're going to get in a couple hours here over the the next several different podcasts that we we post. We're going to talk about these things, and this is something that you you can keep, you can share, and you know, with, without overstating it, which you really can't. There's nothing more important than what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. How would you phrase that, John? I mean, well, the cross, the resurrection.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's the central aspect of the faith. So, um, when you think about the symbol Mm -hmm. of the Christian faith, it is the cross. Yeah. So in order to understand, you know, a good theology of what we Mm -hmm. believe and why we believe it, you have to be able to articulate or at least understand the central event of, of the cross and mm-hmm. uh, he Wright's book on the cross is called the day the revolution began. Mm-hmm. So his point is that it's an event that because it happened, everything from then on is different. Mm-hmm. So that's what the Christian understanding yeah. of the cross is in terms of its implications. So, so we have to be able to, to understand it and we might mm-hmm. as well dive as deep as, as yeah. possible.
0: Yeah. I always thought of it like growing up in terms of the resurrection it was like, well, without that, you know, the whole Paul thinking, Pauline thinking of, without the resurrection, then everything is in vain. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't care about Isaiah. We wouldn't care about the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Like, you and I wouldn't. I mean, maybe we would historically in the nation of Israel, but it would be somewhat of a, just an interesting narrative. But the fact that Jesus shows up in the in, downstream of, of that that whole body of water, if you will, yeah. and he shows up in it. It makes all of that that came before it fully, uh, fully critical. Yeah, and then it leads to. It's almost like it all. It brings us and we jump on the boat at mm-hmm. the resurrection and we move into a new, wonderful experience of of that which Jesus would call life. Yeah, but we don't get on the boat. Without the resurrection
1: yeah, yeah, so so I think that Christianity is actually history, mm-hmm. but it's not just history, it's called redemptive mm-hmm. history. So the cross and the resurrection is the culmination of yeah. redemption, what God's plan to restore the world yep. is. And so without it, you know there is no there is no faith There's and nothing. without one or the other, there is no faith. That's, right. that's what Paul says. I yeah. think what you're referring to is um, if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Then we are to be the most pitied, pitied people yeah. in the world.
0: I'm excited to talk about it. I'm yeah. excited for people to to think about it. The you know we'll get into it, but the cross and the resurrection. You can go your whole life mm-hmm. and you can have what in your mind is like a very formulated, real mm-hmm. <clears throat> relationship with God because of a, a basic understanding of it. Yeah, and then it's interesting. I don't feel that you can grow unless your understanding of these two things grows mm-hmm. so it's almost like you know Paul shows up i think there's like four different sermons or three different sermons in the book of acts through like you know whatever from 10 to 20 in 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 the book of acts yeah. and every single time he talks he he's different yeah you know he says a different story kind yeah. of a different doesn't always include the same pieces right. cuz he's like contextualizing his message But it's one of those things where like, so if you showed up in that and you heard that manifestation, one of those talks, if you were receiving from Paul, you'd be like, okay, uh, okay, I can, oh, wow. You know, it's because people got saved. Yeah, right. He'd say something, but obviously since he didn't say the same thing he's going to say and he didn't say the same thing necessarily that he said before, then there was always parts missing. Mm -hmm. But again, so it's like, there's this, there's this. Entry level understanding of the of the cross and the resurrection, which is like in essence, it's almost everything and enough, the the basics. Mm-hmm. But like if you're gonna live on earth and you're going to give your life to the followership of Christ, then your first and primary understanding of the cross and the resurrection, it can't stay there. It can't be stagnant. The depth of the resurrection and the cross has to be explored. And expounded upon, and I think that that is actually like, um, it's in concert with your faith developing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, I think, like I said, if if, if this is the culmination yeah. of redemptive history, then you would have to assume that it's pretty complex. Yes, because the problems that are being addressed and the story that's being summed up is is pretty complex. Yes. So I think anybody who walks around with a very simplistic, yeah. singular understanding of something like the cross, that singular point or truth, it might be true. Yeah. And it might be a part of it, but it's part of many facets. You yeah. know, the the analogy of turning the gem. right? It's like you can look through the gem at many different angles yeah. and they're all real, right? but they're all, they're all real at the same time. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Mean Simultaneously, just because so,
0: you're looking at one doesn't mean you're seeing it all. Yeah,
1: so the cross is, and the resurrection is not one thing. Right. It's it's more things yeah. than our two thousand years of theology yeah. have even come up with
0: yet. So and I think it's important. I mean it's And a, yet anyone can come to it as they know it and yeah, have a totally sure. like at least at the very at the very least like a very emotional experience. Yeah. I mean, my depth and understanding of the cross has grown dramatically over the past ten years yeah. in ministry. Sure. Since seminary. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I threw my stick in the fire when I was a kid, and then in seminary and Bible college, and you learn, I mean, you sit through so many things, and you you have, like, this new expanse, and then it continues, and then it grows, and then it accelerates, and you yeah. learn more and more and more. So. I don't know. I, I want everybody that that is listening to this as we dive into these things like just understand like you you this is like a zero entry pool. You know, like the cross is accessible to to the the very children to to new believers and then like I would just encourage you that if you don't explore it, then you might understand a version of it that you miss out so much of what it really means because you haven't explored it. And then some yeah. people Understand an aspect of it that is so marginal, a peripheral to the to to the central idea of it, yeah. that when they explore it and they find something central to it, they they all they can like. I'm not going to say they apostate, but they can follow. What, you can almost be overwhelmed by pieces of it. That you you just you don't want it to be that you know it's become yeah. so intense or it becomes a different angle. Anyway, I digress. We'll we'll get into yeah. all this. I mean, I,
1: just to, to yeah, kind of put a, a point on that. Yeah, I think that it's not about how much you understand in order to be saved or something right. like no, that. Yeah, yeah, right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because Peter gives his Pentecost sermon and it says that the people that are listening are cut to their heart and they said, "What do we need to do?" And he just he says, "Repent, Repent and believe." Be, yeah. Yeah. So, so the beauty of exploring the depths of the cross is the beauty of exploring the beauty yeah, of right. our redemption. Right? There's so many things that the cross has addressed mm-hmm. and solved and and become victorious yeah. over that we walk around as Christians and we walk around as ambassadors for Christ. So we need to know what yeah. exactly it is yeah. that animates us and that moves us in the world,
0: or 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 we sh- we should want to know. We should want to because. It's like you're walking around with diamonds on the soles of your shoes, yeah. right? I mean, you have this, the access, the realities, the 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 eye-opening truths mm-hmm. that that apply. It's that, not just a belief. It is a life-altering right. dis, disposition to you, the way you think, you feel. I mean, it really is. So, okay, before we get into that, we always have the things I like to do um, just to get us going. But yeah. that's just a little bit. But uh, we usually have an opening rant. And then we have a couple footnotes. So let me do those quick just so anyone that's tracked with the series can track with it. And John's going to be here talking about this the whole time. So here's opening rant. And, of course, this is low-hanging fruit, and it's simple because most people are in this space. But we're going to spend like a couple minutes on this. March Madness. So, John, March Madness, I mean yeah, man. we just best came out of, of the year. That's right. We just came out of the round of sixty four yep. and the round of thirty two. What's your favorite uh part of March Madness in terms of the, the bracketing, the rounds? Like with the results so far? No. When you look oh, at the, the first whole weekend. Th- yeah, yeah. Right. It's the best, right? Oh yeah. I mean
1: the Thursday, Friday. The Thursday, Friday. And Saturday, then even Sunday. Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday's good. But but it is Thursday, Friday. Thursday, Friday.
0: That's the best. So, what's been what's your favorite part about March Madness? Um, all together, just everything. What do you love about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, so since I was a kid, it's always been like my favorite sports time of mm-hmm. the year. Um, and I would say that it is the conference tournaments that go into the Selection Sunday and then they go into the first round. Yep. And so like you fill out your bracket. And when you're a kid, you think that you might actually do well because you <laughs> kind of think like, well, I watch basketball, yeah. I know basketball, so I should be able to outperform. Or at least I know these brands. The people that I'm in, that I'm in this, you know, group with and it never happens. No. So then by the time, you know, hopefully you get a little bit older, you start to, instead of rooting for your matchups, you actually root for the chaos and yeah. you root for the madness. And that really happens in the first couple of weeks. Um, it continues throughout, but I mean, sixty-four teams, thirty-two games. There's nothing else like that 15, in sport.
0: Sixteen seeds versus ones and twos. It's just... yeah,
1: small schools that you don't have access <clears> to. Usually, <throat> mm-hmm. players that that you might know in three years in the NBA, but yeah. you had never heard of them before right. in March Madness, and then they kind of make a name for them. Like I remember the Steph Curry run when yeah. he was at Xavier. Yeah. Or, or, R- sorry, Davidson. Davidson. Um, and it was like this kid's awesome. LeBron showed up to watch yeah. him. And now he's like one of the best yeah. players in the NBA. But no one would have ever watched a Davidson game right. if Except not for March, March Madness. Madness. So, so what, cool is,
0: what, what was your favorite part or what was your favorite moment over this weekend?
1: Over this weekend? Yeah. Um, probably like the St. Peter's thing. Yeah, I mean, the 15 seed advancing to the Sweet 16 is pretty cool. So
0: they beat Kentucky. They did beat Kentucky. So, and then they beat... Well, the,
1: the interesting thing about their season was that they didn't even win their regular season conference.
0: How did they make it in? So they must have beat somebody.
1: They won the conference tournament.
0: Oh, they won the conference tournament. Yeah,
1: but but the there was a Iona who is yeah. coached by Rick Patino. Yeah. Won by far the regular season and we're the best team in that conference. Wow. And so I guess Saint Peter's is like a small school in Jersey City. Yeah, Jersey. So who, who did they beat in the is. second round? Oh, who did they just beat? I don't remember. My, my mind is flooded with, with all of these all games, these, man. I don't, dude, I, don't know. I mean, I but, it, but
0: so that was a fun moment. So you, did you, you didn't pick that, did you? No. No, nobody picked that.
1: Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think I had Kentucky in the Final Four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> dude, I, I, let's see.
1: <sighs> Everyone talked about how easy Kentucky's road was I know. the whole first I like, know. weekend.
0: I'm trying to think. My favorite part I, – I think my favorite part is the concept – of how many games mm-hmm. go into the last three minutes and and you, you yeah. don't know who's going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you watch the whole game and you, you watch them just trade blows and there's 12 – I mean, how many times did you see there's been 13 lead changes? Yeah, right. <laughs> there's been 13. I think that's my favorite part is knowing that at the end of the game, it's there's something exciting is yeah. most likely going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's the part that I think is the most enjoyable.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and you just kinda, you start to expect chaos. Yeah, like you start to expect like whatever shouldn't happen in the game yeah.
0: is going to happen. Is what's
1: going to happen, and you can try to predict it even along the way, but it's like it doesn't work.
0: And you have these moments where like amazing things like absolutely happen, yeah. and you're like. He's not going to make it right now. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I remember, and they didn't win, but the one that comes to mind is at the end of the USC-Miami game. Yeah. They were down by, like, 10 points, and you're like, well, there's no way. And then the dude hits two threes in a row. Right, And you're like, they're going to come back. Right. And then the worst part of the weekend, which we discussed already, was the Wisconsin game. Right. I think. Yeah. I mean... They basically had 35 points for, like, 12 minutes or something like that. Yeah. In the second... So so some of the, like... uh,
1: I don't know. Like when in basketball when teams don't shoot well, it is hard to watch. And you can never really predict that. Like it's just an interesting mm. thing. Like you think about Iowa or Wisconsin and people kind of get mad at the coaches because you know you have expectations or whatever, but it's just hard because there's no way that no. a coach can game plan for for missing all of your threes. Cuz a lot of times bad yeah. shooting
0: is like it's like a good shot yeah. and it's in and out. And you're like, yeah. You make that shot, yeah. Lots of times, it's brutal.
1: And there's no explanation for for the totality of bad shooting or something like that. It just happens. It's, it's a phenomenon. You and, don't
0: know. Yeah. And then, the, of course, the the Buckeyes final. It broke my heart because I love. Mm-hmm. I actually really loved this team. Yeah. Like I fell in love with the players. Yeah. This team was fun to watch. Yeah. I know that they had these guys that didn't, you know, make it suing and like, mm-hmm. but. I love this team, man, and they were they were close. They came within two. Yeah, and then I mean, Villanova's better. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I just think they were kind of missing some pieces they all were. year. Like, but they have two first round draft. Yeah, pick. so you, I was, I, I was, I did Kinda have like, it out on. there. It's like I could see them upsetting.
0: Did you have them beating Villanova? Villanova or did you? No, know?
1: I had, I did, I did have them moving on from the first round. Yeah, I did too. But but I I so I also root for Xavier basketball because I yeah. went there. And so I watched the Big East. Yeah. And Villanova has been so dominant in that league yeah. and nationally that I actually think we look at the the basketball Villanova the way that teams in the Big Ten and football look at Ohio look State. Look at Ohio State. We kind of yeah. look at your record, you chalk up a couple losses to Villanova, mm-hmm. and then you see kind of where else you might have success and yeah. what place you can get in in the conference. But, um, so I'm I'm a little bit biased in terms of like yeah. I would not be surprised if they go to the final four. No,
0: they're really good. That he, Gillespie kid,
1: Jay Wright's a great coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin Gillespie. Holy
0: moly! And then they have well, they have one of the greatest stories in in the history of of the tournament where they their only team to lose to a 16 seed. Um, I think that's Virginia. Oh, and then the next year they won. Then they did win right. the next year though. Virginia. That's did. the story. Virginia, yeah. not Villanova. Yeah. Yeah, that's a crazy story. Yeah, yeah huh?
1: they lost to like Maryland, Baltimore seat. County or something. And then they came back and won the, <laughs> and they national, won the championship. national championship next year.
0: I don't know. I don't like know. Basically
1: the same team. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they were one seed both years. Crazy. That's crazy,
0: man. Yeah. Anyway, so it's it's a lot of madness. We'll move on from there. I have a couple things we're going to hit in uh, some footnotes, and then we'll dive into the rest of this stuff. Here's footnotes. Oh, I hit the wrong music. It's Okay. <laughs> We're gonna go with it because this, this this is not
1: the footnotes
0: music. That's all right. This 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 can have some funk. So just to just to land the plane with um with this series that we're doing at our church that I just finished um, called Leaving Scarcity, which is just a metaphor of actually leaving the mindset and the belief system that you you know you have to steal and take and provide for yourself and become your own god, and how that can manifest through the love of money and things and greed. And how God really wants us to change the way we think and look at the world, to see all that has been provided, and uh, ultimately become people who look at the, the gardenous earth and the world and think, I'm going to make something great of this, and I'm going to share this, and I'm going to bring something into the world. And they become generous people. And obviously, like you can't be generous unless God does the move that he can do and does do through the cross. And the resurrection and the giving of the spirit, like you need something to like you know start the transformation process um, but uh so we kind of landed this plane, we talked about tithing, and uh it, you know I, I I kind of just uh gave people really just kind of an outline of let's make tithing a smaller part of a larger goal and i i uh i I took us through this series looking at how people. Need to kind of see that the Christian community really does become a generous community of love. And just a couple of footnotes. One thing I didn't talk about that Andy Stanley says um, about the Christian church he said this while Christians may be criticized for what we believe, we should be famous for our compassion and our generosity. And I think that like that is a really well-crafted statement that when we we move into the faith space, that it's a dependence piece. We're depending upon the nature of the way God made things and how he wants us to live our lives, Mm -hmm. which cannot be separated from the concept of generosity and the actual application of generosity in our lives. Um, I talked about this, this past sermon. I talked about the, um, the famous passage where the Pharisee and the tax gatherer go to the temple and Jesus gives the differentiation between the two that the Pharisee basically is boastful about all the things that he does. And then the tax gatherer kind of beats his chest and says like, I have a long way to go. I don't really deserve to even be here. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says that the tax gatherer goes away justified before God. And that, that basically this type of wealth or uh, a certain type of arrogance yeah. is going to keep you out of the kingdom of God. And um, one of the parts that I, I, I didn't get to um, Because whether you know it or not, it was like my longest sermon of all time, (laughs) and that's just again not okay. But it's it's one of those things where there's so much to say. But one of the things that kind of had crystallized, which I was like, oh, I want to say this, but I can't. If I go here, it's so tangential. Like I don't know how the the movement of Jesus to Earth is the movement of. Changing the orientation and the manifestation of temple, like this is like a temple is like a whole concept, right? Mm-hmm. The presence of God with His people in the tabernacle, the presence of God with His people in the temple, and then Jesus shows up and He's the temple, and then Jesus gives you know us the Spirit and we're the temple, yep. not only individually but as a collective ecclesia church. So this idea of of the tax gatherer going to the temple. Uh, one thought I, I, I thought w- was kind of like, I think what Jesus is getting at in that that your heart has to be in the right place, and then the only way that that can happen, because he talks about in other passages that there's an impossibility on your own account to not be greedy or yeah. love money, but there's there's a possibility with God. And I think he's getting at the supernatural work of God that only he can do in your life, and so one thought I had written down, but in order to get to it, you have to say all that is that you can't just go to the temple anymore. You need to become it mm-hmm. like in order for So it's no longer about going. It's like the, the, the people that he's starting to talk to, he's in the process. And I want you to hear your thoughts on this. Um, he's, Jesus is in the process of the new thing. Yeah. Right. So a lot of times people think the new thing means that the old thing doesn't matter to me, the new thing is kind of uh, the updated version of the old thing. And, and so it can make, and Paul even talks about the law and all that being obsolete in the temple and all those things. But to me, it's more of a clarifying, helpful manifestation. It's like, ah, this works better. This is what's new. So God's doing this new thing and he's basically getting to the heart of the matter. Like, it doesn't matter if you go to the temple. It doesn't well, maybe don't say it that way. What matters now is that the temple doesn't accomplish in your heart what only Jesus can accomplish in your heart. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer about going to the temple, it is about becoming the temple. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something new. Yeah. What what are your what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that's I mean, I think that that's right in, in the sense of that the church becomes the manifest presence of God after, after Christ. And that, that is both individualized and collective corporate. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, you can never just walk into the temple, right? You have to have, you had, you had to have sacrifices and you had to do the rituals and you had to be ritually clean and all of that. And so So they needed
0: to see that path in order for it to feel like it was from God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, and, and it makes sense. Like when you really put sin, in its proper place, Mm -hmm. which we don't, which we'll probably talk about when when we talk about the cross. You know, for the people of God, it was like, well, sin was so serious that in order to walk into the temple and worship at all, you had to sacrifice and Mm -hmm. be ritually clean Mm -hmm. and go through all of these things, even to be Mm -hmm. that close, Mm -hmm. proximate to the presence of God. Right. And so, uh, yeah, with Jesus, it's like, you know, not only is there not the temple ritual after mm-hmm. the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and the giving of the spirit, but actually the, the presence of God that you had to go all, through all of that in order to even approach, Yeah. now that dwells within you. Yeah. Like as close as could possibly be. Yeah. And then the, the thing with the heart that you're talking about, the orientation yep. of the heart, definitely something that Jesus gets at in his teachings where he says, like, you mm-hmm. know, you have been taught, don't commit adultery. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, if there's lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery yeah. in your heart. And so um, he's definitely, like, you see that that theme coming along. Yeah. But you even see shadows of it in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Because uh, David and Saul. Right. So Saul, the acts that he committed that were considered sinful or bad were much less worse than what David did. Right. So the question is, why is David the man after God's own heart? Right. And I think that the story is that, you know, Saul was not repentant. Yeah. He was not contrite.
0: Yeah. And David is. Well, David has the famous prayer. Right. After, yeah, after he gets confronted about Created it. Created me a clean heart yep. with the Psalm 51. Like he, I think that's what I'm getting at too is that, so Saul was a king, mm-hmm. but his heart was far from God. Yeah. David was a king. His actions weren't perfect at all. Right. Maybe worse than the other king. But his heart was pursuing God, you can, like a Pharisee, or like in Malachi, which I did reference, you can be do priestly acts and do them perfect and have your heart completely removed from a relationship with God. Yep. And I think that. So anyway, I, I think that it's it's <clears throat> that we have to have this posture of that, that tax gatherer, in a sense, that we hang the pursuit of what God has for us in our lives, in our behaviors, in balance with the condition of our hearts, with kind of like an eyes wide open scenario. For, for me, the way this is manifested is like, when I don't want to be generous, you know, I kind of like go to the temple, the way he did, but I just talked to God, but I'm kind of viewing myself like I'm up at the steps yeah. and I'm like, God, I don't want to do this right now. yeah. But like, I know that like, I, 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 that's bad. My heart sucks. Like I had us walking up the steps the other day. And I was like, my heart sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, God, like, I know that like, you've done like amazing things in my heart, but yeah. like, there's a lot yeah. more here. God, like, please and you know, like it it, it it moves the needle a little bit, at least disposition wise. And I know God's doing things and continuing to. And I think that that I, I think that that process is valuable. Yeah, I, so I would agree with that. So Paul, Paul, then I referenced the the famous passage, you know, to know him and the power of his resurrection mm. and the fellowship of, of his sufferings and. And then he, he, you know, he goes on, he says, but I, you know, I, not that I've attained it, but I press on towards the high calling of Jesus. One of the things that I didn't get into as I was like digging into that passage is two pieces that are really important for generosity, which I should have actually said. Philippians is a book about generosity. Paul is writing that letter yeah. from prison to uh, Epaphroditus thanking I thank him for a generous gift. Mm -hmm. So he is, the whole letter is about him thanking someone for their generosity. Yeah, because he's in prison. Because he's in prison. So they gave him a gift. Yeah, and people didn't really get like
1: fed in prison the way that our prison system is. And so you could just die and rot if you didn't have anybody taking care of you. But they received somebody. Yeah. That that makes this joy, right. this this uh, book of Thanksgiving or this letter of Thanksgiving, yes. that he writes to to this guy. Yeah.
0: So it was like it's one of those things where I was like, oh, that's really you know to think about that. He's in prison. He is telling the people that sent him a gift that he has made his goal in life to be about fellowship with Jesus through suffering, yeah. which he's experiencing, but he is trying to communicate to them that he's thankful mm-hmm. and that they aided him in that process. You know, it's like he has this yeah. joy for becoming a suffering person for Jesus, and yet he is thankful. And so I just find that that it's interesting that one of the most powerful um, letters came from generosity. Yeah. And then and then there's the famous poem where... Uh, Philippians 2. Yeah, yeah, where he talks about the mind of Christ, right. that the mind, if your mind is like Christ, who basically the whole poem is about the generosity of Christ. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting, like it's just the map of generosity through what it meant to be a Christian in shackles. Yeah. It all kind of comes full circle, and I just didn't get it. You know, I just didn't get into that. But um, I don't know. I feel like um, this, uh, this generosity piece is something that takes a lot of work that people have to commit to it. Yeah. I think that people have to I, – I think, you know, a lot of times in church, it's like we look for applications to give people – so what I, what I want to do to land the series is go, you need to think about sharing your life and giving things away yeah. and, 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 and you need to be burdened with wanting to be a generous person. If, if you cannot be someone who withholds and just takes for themselves and, and actually be someone that represents Christ. And so you have to be burdened all the time. And so it's a process of working on what you think. It's a process of having the character of God in your life. It's it's a process of working with others on it. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, I hope that for some people, like this type of thinking, moving to generosity, is something that's just going to promote like an actual change. So I'll, I'll end it with this because yeah. I, I I I almost told the story. I told you about this, but there's... I did the message week three, which was really about sacrifice and how sharing is like a, a, a a real, um, a a real tangible manifestation of sacrifice, Mm -hmm. taking up your cross every day that to actually give something to someone and to sacrifice so that your relationships improve and that, you know, life kind of works the way it does when we give and share. And it's a manifestation of the spirit of God in us and it's the way it works um so I just taught that very conceptually and then and uh I got an email from a couple at our church who they have done the process of freezing their embryos um their um uh well, how do you say this your their their embryos and their sperm together right like it's together. It's an embryo, yeah. It's, yeah, a, it's fertilized. It, it's yeah. fertilized, yeah. And they, they, uh, they sent me an email and I asked them if I could share the story. But they said that by listening to the message, they've been wrestling with what to do with, they had extras. And that it felt weird for the longest time for them to think about giving someone else their child and, and they thought it, it's weird to, be, to go through life and think there's some person over there that is in fact our child and we don't know them or her, him or her or whatever. And they just felt uncomfortable with that. But the message flipped their mind to instead of thinking that it would be hard for them mm-hmm. to go through that, that their heart got moved to how hard it would be for someone who can't have a kid. Mm. And they, th- they said, we're supposed to be generous. And so they actually committed to donating them so that other people. So, I mean, this is sharing. Wow. Like, I mean, you talk about, like, you cannot um, give a message, not give any particular application, and, and think that that type of a response came from anything other than God moving in someone, speaking to someone, someone's heart being, you know, shifted to see a different perspective, to feel the presence of Christ in your life. And to not only like in a way you might be feel it's painful to have your child out there and you don't know them, but to move from the sense that it's painful to the sheer joy and 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 fulfillment in life of knowing that what you shared improved someone's life. It reduced someone's suffering. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that is the coolest, like cool, because it's such a unique, odd, you know, like manifestation of this, this deal. Well,
1: it's like, I mean, you know, you talk about preaching the word of God is alive. Yeah. So the faithful preacher obviously does the best they can message prep and delivery. But part of it is just the faith that, that God moves in ways that, Certainly yeah. wasn't anything we no. said. Certainly wasn't anything we taught. No. But, but it was
0: the movement of the Spirit of God. It's powerful. And, and the only thing that this, uh, like, not take credit for, but the only thing that I would even say, like, I could take credit for if I'm trying to think about the way God works mm-hmm. is that we challenge the church. Yeah. Come to church. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it's like the leadership of we've, we're doing this 50 weeks thing. It's like crazy. to. I'm going to go every week because nobody goes everywhere. <laughs> so it's like a right. big ask. We asked everyone to come for 50 weeks. So, you know, you come to church and the spe- something's going to happen. So I got to say that one Sunday because. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, just like the word of God is, is active and powerful. Mm-hmm. So Living is the and gathering yeah. of the people yeah. of God. So like even just coming here, not just to hear the here. content, but to be in the midst yeah. of the people of God, to pray with the people yeah. of God, to open the scriptures with the people of God. God moves in that in ways that, you know, people don't like to hear this, but he moves in that in ways that even sitting in your room and reading the scriptures by yourself, he moves differently. Yeah. Because we are the church, Yeah, you know, it's not individual. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the last thing on generosity that, you know, I always appreciate when we do generosity series, because, you know, people have to understand that, that culture is like a, is like a current. Yeah. So even right. if you're not actively participating in it, it's going to sweep you along. And so our culture yeah. is not a generous culture. No. I mean, it's a culture that revolves around money and profit and mm-hmm. the making of money and private properties and mm-hmm. possessions and all that stuff. And they're not necessarily inherently evil. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do anything, yeah. you'll get swept along like you're on a lazy river. So yeah. something like tithing, more than anything else, is a practice that helps to counterform you. Yeah. And swim against that current. Yeah. You know, if you don't have generous practices in your life, you won't be generous. Right. People, you know, the, it, generosity is not like a personality trait. Yeah. It is an act, it's your actions yeah. in your life. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I, uh, through your leadership before even joining right. the church staff, went on a generosity yep. journey with, yep. with my wife. Yeah. And we started to give. Yeah. And it is maybe the most transformative yeah. thing I've ever done in terms of faith. Yeah. And so it's easy to be cynical yeah. about uh, giving series, and you know yeah. the church wants my money or whatever. But as uh, ministers of the gospel, you know the church has to continue to teach that because if we don't, and our people don't have practices in their lives, including us, yeah. then we will we will become ungenerous. Well,
0: I would think too. It's like you're a bad shepherd if you don't teach your people what is a danger yeah, to them, for sure. And I mean that wealth is dangerous very dangerous. And if we don't say, Hey, you better like move towards some type of process for this. So I talked a little bit about like the concept of faking it till you make it. And you know, NT, right. He talks about how when we're on the process of character transformation, that it's not a solo sport, you know, and that you have to work with people. But he also, he talks about how when you move towards character development, that at the very beginning of it, it is going to feel um, immature and somewhat inauthentic
1: yeah. because
0: you're going to force yourself to do it, and well, you're, you're doing something that you're not authentically doing. You're not doing place. it at first place. So of course, but it's there's something about your mind that's yeah. gone there. You believe it to a degree, mm-hmm. and then it becomes more authentic mm-hmm. as as you do it. And second nature. Second nature. But you see, eventually, becomes, becomes second natural. nature. Yep. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the process is like, I want people, I think that even people who give at our church and and for some of them, it's second nature Mm -hmm. and this, I don't like, I don't want to like pick a fight, but like, I do think a lot of people in the church give because of the Malachi passage and tithing and they're like, oh, I just know it's going to return to me. And I'm not saying that's wrong. And I'm not saying that I don't believe fully in like the law of the tithe. Mm-hmm. I think that someone that looks at that should be really careful, you know, to, yeah. to like just deter that if you're going to tithe, then you're just going to receive, uh, you know, the storehouses of, because I, I know stories. I mean, I think even you've shared a story that like, you know, a lot of people start tithing and their increase is not financial. Yeah, well, because the blessings of God are not
1: necessarily financial. Exactly, right. But I I do think that the blessings of God come to those who follow his ways. Absolutely. Proverbs. Exactly. So I think if generosity is the way that Christ is, then moving in that direction, you you will be blessed. Now, you might not make a return on your financial investment. It's just such
0: an American ROI. Like, it's such a funny idea. But like, you know, part of following Christ too, which is something that doesn't get unpacked enough is... Doing what you're supposed to do might really hurt, and it might it yeah. might cost it might cost a lot. I yeah. mean, that's the idea. So, what is the return? The, you know, what does it mean to be in step with God? Mm-hmm. It might mean stepping all the way to a literal cross. I mean, you can't sit there and just. So, anyway, we're not we're not in the space of health, wealth, prosperity, gospel. Right. But I also know people that they you know. I know people that have ordered their finances around the concept of tithing. Give, you know, give, save, live, or some version of that. And because they have reordered their their tithing life or their, their whole financial situation has gotten better. Yeah. And I will say this, too, and this just hit me right now. People, Dave Ramsey, I got it, Dave, you're wrong. Dave tells people, Uh-oh. Dave Ramsey, you don't want to step here. <laughs> Dave Ramsey tells people not to tithe until they're out of debt. I have a problem with that. I think that as soon as you believe you're supposed to tithe, you should start right away. I don't think that your first and best should go towards your f- problem that you caused. Yeah, I think your first and best should go towards God. Mm-hmm. And then you should trust that as you've made him first, because that's a heart thing, that, you know, your process through the rest is going to be f- more filled with wisdom yeah. and your disposition towards your future because you can pay off debt and still cause more. I just think that that the orientation needs to be, no, man, like I have a different view on life and I'm going to trust the Lord. So anyway, I know that doesn't, yeah. that does not resonate with people. They they, they no. don't want to hear that. They want to no. hear, I got to fix but, mine. You know, I, I believe that, that uh, greed is like a
1: monster that will destroy you. Yeah, right. So to me, yep. you should do whatever you can do to to keep that at bay. Yeah. And to move towards Christ. Yeah. Like I don't want to get destroyed. Right. So so if that means, you know, giving, tithing, being yep. generous, opening your home, sharing, yep. sacrificing, all the things you yep. talked about in the series,
0: then I will do it. Yeah, because what's more scary? It's a little scary to to spend, but it's a lot more scary to have something destroy you from within. Oh my gosh. It's like I mean, the tiger moving in your house, like yeah. I talked about.
1: And and you know, the thing about uh the thing about something like greed or, you know, what, what I would consider to be evil in your life is it's not easy to break those bonds and those shackles yeah, and those strongholds. Like, you know, that's, that's no. what the, the advice is to not let the devil get a foothold, yeah. not to yeah, go ahead and let him, And then let's see what we can do to break it later. It's like, no. So, so, uh, you know,
0: the whole, he can't make an arm tackle. I'll be the, fine. Yeah. Right. The devil <laughs> yeah. is a roaring lion. Yeah. Like I believe that. Yeah.
1: And so I think greed, materialism, all of that, like, I think that those things are crouching at my door yep. and we, you know, I want to create practices in my own life and in the life of my family to keep those things at bay. Cause yeah. I don't think they're, it's, it's a, oh, well, maybe, maybe not thing. I think yeah. it's like, do we choose life or do we choose, choose death, death yeah. with, with this type yeah. of stuff? So, um, yeah, you know, you did a great job of helping people understand the why, Yeah. um, and so I think that that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like the practice itself yeah, yeah. is what is going to make or break yeah. your being devoured right. by the yeah. devil or moving sure. closer to Jesus. And so yeah. it's, it's very important. Like, you know, people, I, I always challenge people that, that, you know, I have personal relationships with at the church. Like when there's a generosity series, make sure you're there for it all. Yeah. Even if you think you've heard it before, right. because um, in our world, and even in Jesus's world, which was probably a, le- a lot less financially, yeah, you know, centric than ours, that was still the thing he talked about.
0: Right, yeah, he
1: said this thing will kill you; it will keep yeah. you out of the kingdom of God. Yeah,
0: yeah. so don't. You will let not it. enter into the kingdom. You will not enter into I, the kingdom. I, I, that's I think after the rich young ruler conversation where he says that about the entering the kingdom, and some of the stuff we're going to go into with the cross and the mm-hmm. resurrection and what this really is all about. I used to read that like you won't go to heaven when you die. Yeah. And really, it's it's probably more about how <laughs> you're not going to have heaven on earth yeah. in your life if you let money be your God. Yeah, I mean, the kingdom of God starts now. now. We're supposed to live as yeah. if the kingdom of God has been
1: inaugurated by Jesus. Yeah. so This is so funny. You can't well, oh, do, move do, into do, that. Do something
0: you... right right now so that in the future... You're not in trouble, which is, is fine. You should. I mean, way in the future, eternity, that eternity. Yeah. But Jesus is getting at reordering your life yeah, oh yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Like you're talking about the practice. It's important to hang in balance that you work on the why, that you, you ask, you take your heart to God. God, I don't want to be. I think I'm in love with greed. Like I talked, or money. I, I talked yeah. about do the inspection. Come on. We're in love with it. Mm-hmm. We, we chase it down, yep. man. Like that, that is, that is a reality that I don't, I think it's one of those, like you talk about like the culture it's like in, it's in the air. Yeah. It's the current, which you'll is just the current along, you're doing it. it. You don't know. Nope. And if you ever like a current, if you've ever been swept into a current, yeah. unless it's different from the water you were just in, which, which usually when you, when that happens, you know, it's there and you stay away from it. Yeah. A current is like if you get into a river, right. and then suddenly you pick up speed, and then you turn around, and you've moved. F- yeah, and you're so far away. You're so far away, and you, oh, I didn't realize this. Yeah. And yeah, so anyway, it, you know, lots and lots and lots of warnings. Oh. the the, the It's really the only way that wealth has talked about. Yeah, you know, it's dangerous. scriptures, it's dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. Funny. I, I You know, I when I said that last week, I'm like, it really is like bringing a tiger in. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, I didn't resolve that during the message. I was like, it's kind of like bringing a tiger in yeah, your yeah, house. I remember that. And then I was like, you know, it's like, I I don't really want to cuddle with a tiger. And then I really just left it right there. Because if you take that all the way to its conclusion, then the conclusion will be, I don't want a tiger in the house. Yeah. So I don't want, wealth is that dangerous? Mm-hmm. I better, I don't want to have that. How do you not have that? That's a get rid of some money? <laughs> I mean don't have it, get it out of your house. Mm-hmm. It's like I think ooh. it is you
1: you create practices. You create practices. I mean you have to, for for safety. Yeah. of your heart. Right. Your <laughs> Protect,
0: soul. guide, guard your heart. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think with wealth it's it's the same as you know a lot of the other sins or or whatever evil because the point is that you know he says Jesus says what good is it to gain the whole world yeah. if you lose your soul? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, wealth—that is—that tends to be the thing people lose their soul for yeah. in America. I don't know, but I think all over the world. But in America, and so you have to protect yourself against you, that. That's part of what the church is supposed to help. This is
0: a sideline. these people because you made me think of something. Do you? Do you think that because you're you're you you you're doing the beginning class right now and you get into the kings? Yep, and I know you've studied the kings a lot. When you're looking at the kings, Solomon, uh, these guys that bring in these um, false gods, mm-hmm. idols into the temple, right? Solomon was known Solomon for that. Solomon did that, yeah. yeah. So do you think that that is unique or to to a type of idol worship for him? Or do you think that there is... Also in that type of blasphemous idolatry greed with these leveraging, you know, because part of that, wasn't that about him trying to kind of create a a net of influence? Yeah. I mean, he was creating alliances. Alliances. Isn't that about power and money? Yeah. And control. And control.
1: I mean, you know, because if, I mean, one of the temptations of the Canaanite gods was that, let's say that there's a Canaanite god that controls the harvest or the rain or, yeah, um, you know, then then what if there's a drought? And you're praying to Yahweh, but the drought's not getting better.
0: You just switch gears. So
1: you switch gears, you pray to this other god because you need the drought to get better.
0: And why? Because of...
1: Money, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or <laughs> I mean, because you're not getting Prosperity your, your or, yeah, 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 you're not yeah. getting
0: your crops, and you're not getting your whatever you I mean, need. I think
1: that that's the temptation. The temptation is uh, maybe these other gods work better.
0: And, yeah, 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 yeah. And
1: that's so. Like,
0: I don't think to that, what end, though, right? To, to work better in terms of getting what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Control. Um, that's why the Israelites make a golden calf mm-hmm. at the bottom of the mountain because mm-hmm. they see up there and they see this storm cloud Mm -hmm. that Moses disappears into, and it's kind of like, we can't control that God. We can't make that God do Mm. what we want. So why don't we make a God out of gold
0: like we're used to, Mm. like they did in Egypt, Mm. and we'll just call it Yahweh. You're going on a line here of control. I've never heard you talk about this. So like that is a, a major piece of it, right? If you're putting multiple hands around this concept, one of them is this idea of, God's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. Maybe intuitively, intrinsically, I understand that and I don't like that because I want to be my own God. So I'm going to shape something that I can control and I'm going to, I'm going to do it that way. Not, not, or both with, we're going to make a God that serves us the way we want it to serve us, which is, you're saying is control. Yeah, I think it's control because... You know, I've, I, never heard, I, I, I've never heard. I've never heard the the phrasing around they made the golden calf to have control, like they picked the god. But that is the that is the essence of being a god. It's weird they were making a golden calf to worship to it.
1: Yeah, and they call oh. and they called it Yahweh. So it's not even like they were saying, oh, you know, Moloch or a god of the Canaanites or the Egyptians. So it's they, like, in just, picking a like, god,
0: they became their own god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because they're doing it for for control. That's weird. And so, like, I mean, I'm sure I do that all the time, but yeah, I think that we do, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think those we do. guys are weird. Yeah. They're more, they're worse <laughs> off than I was. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and that's the, the, what I, what I think the golden calf thing shows us is that we will go to those lengths. Yeah. And someone, someone taught me this in, in uh, one of my professors in seminary where he said that the thing about money is that it actually feels in the moment like a better God.
0: Yeah. 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 It's more expedient. Right. So I mean, serves you better. It's very.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing about the God that we worship is a lot of times he doesn't give us what we want. Right. And I think he protects us from what we want. Right. What we think we want.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause if it's what we he, think we want, and right. he says it's not, that's I always not say good. the
1: scariest moments in the Bible is when God says, okay, fine, you guys can have, you can have you it. Want. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Your reward is in full.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you think about the exile of, of Israel. They go, they get exiled to the places that worship the gods that they were worshiping unfaithfully in, in the land.
0: See how that goes for you.
1: Yeah, so he's like, okay, fine, you can have them Yeah.
0: Then. You can go there. You yeah. can go to
1: where those gods are reign supreme. yeah. And so I think with money, same thing, it's the same thing. I mean, money's money feels really expedient Yeah, and, uh, it feels like it's going to solve your problems yeah. and you might pray for it yeah. and God might withhold it from you and that yeah. very well might be for your own protection. Yeah. But if you go and you get it, you know, it's like, it's like the lottery it yeah. never
0: works out well for people in no, the long run. Never. Yeah. That's good, man. All right, so with that, we are going to dive into um, a conversation about the cross. If you have fast-forwarded to this point, you just missed a really good part about money, so that sucks to be you, but um, we're going to dive into... You can rewind that. You can rewind or go back. It's a feature on on these new (laughs) podcast podcast phones and things. So we're going to dive into a discussion with John about the cross. Let's do it. All right, so we're moving into uh, the the Easter season. In a lot of calendars, this uh, this season it kicks off with Holy Week. Holy Week, which is Ash Wednesday, is in that. Oh no, we, no, I'm oh, talking about the oh, yeah. whole season.
1: Yeah, it kicks off with Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday a Lent, and...
0: so um, John, give us like, just give me like a. Do you do you are do you have your bearings around that that whole calendar? Somewhat. In, in what? Just lay that out just briefly in a little bit of the significance of uh, this, this month leading up to Easter.
1: Yeah, so, so the Lenten season yep. is essentially a season where in solidarity with Jesus on the cross and in waiting for the joy of the resurrection, you fast. Mm-hmm. So historically, it, I think it was every Wednesday and Friday... And then as time went on, still in the Catholic Church, it's no meat on certain days. Um, fish Friday. Yep, fish, on, like fish fries and, and everything on Fridays. And so I went to Xavier, which is a Catholic university. Mm-hmm. And so th- there was a lot of this kind of mm-hmm. participation in it, which I actually think is cool. Mm-hmm. And the way that it kind of gets done, what I'll, I'll say like colloquially or popularly, mm-hmm. is you give up something that you like mm-hmm. or something that you think you should give up like mm-hmm. a vice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. Well, it's yeah. Interesting. So, so you give up like a lot of times people give up. Sweets. I'll keep it
0: all year. Give it up for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't
1: know if that's, <laughs> that can't be the heart of it. I, I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, the heart of it is like, like fasting it's, it's worship. Yeah. And so, you know, through fasting is supposed to change your sensory experience because being hungry changes how you think about the world significantly mm-hmm. and it's supposed to uh if you're in the right mindset you know direct you towards prayer and and worship and dependency on mm-hmm. god and so the the season of lent that that leads up to good friday which is the crucifixion and then there's holy saturday which is where jesus is buried yeah. in the tomb and then there's easter sunday which is the resurrection hmm and that you know, that culminates what we said—redemptive history. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the,
0: the movement of that. So give, give us a, um, John, just give us like a kind of thirty thousand foot view of Jesus Christ being crucified on a Roman cross, and how how did that happen?
1: Uh, like historically? Yeah. Yeah. So so Jesus's claim was that he was the Messiah. And so the word Messiah, the Hebrew word Mashiach is the Greek word Christos, Mm -hmm. which means the anointed one. Mm -hmm. So if you go back and you look at the kings of of Israel, when they were chosen, they were anointed with oil. Mm -hmm. Oil was put on their head. And the promise to the line of David was that someday, you know, an offspring is going to come from your line and that offspring is going to reign forever. And uh, when Israel goes into exile... The idea is that someday, when that king arrives, they're they're gonna, you know, all of this is gonna be put back to rights, and he's gonna reign. And when you're under the oppression of a foreign rule, you think really what that means is that that oppression is gonna get thrown off, just like it was with Egypt mm-hmm. when God delivered the Israelites from from right. Egypt.
0: Anointed the does the word with oil? Isn't it the oil represents the spirit? Yeah. Yep. It's like it's kind of like like a a kind of a uh, a designating that God's spirit Uh, is working like kind whatever Samuel with David yeah yeah yeah
1: I I think so 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 you know whatever the symbolic thing is to put it on on the head Uh that's the anointed one that's the king yeah so the kings didn't work out very well but there's still this promise that said someday there's going to be a king and it is going to work he's going to be the true king so everyone was hoping. Yeah, for the Messiah. All these kings yeah, would but, be, one of them would be. So So they're, so they're back in the, the Holy Land, at least the southern part of, mm-hmm. of the Holy Land, Jerusalem, Judea. Mm-hmm. And they're still under the thumb of Rome. Mm-hmm. So they're waiting for the king to come. Mm-hmm. And they think what the king's going to do is deliver them from bondage in Rome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's the kind of king they're looking for. Yeah. So Jesus shows up and John the Baptist, who's a prophet that they all uh, tend to believe in. And the people are really moved by what he's doing in the wilderness and in the Jordan river. Um, he anoints Jesus essentially as the promised one. Mm-hmm. And so the tension is on Jesus as he begins his ministry. And uh, he's doing acts of power mm-hmm. that if you were looking for a military King, you might want the guy who can calm the storm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. The guy who can walk on water right. or the guy who can turn a couple loaves of bread yeah, and fish into a bunch abundance. Of so they think, I mean, that's why they're excited about mm-hmm. him. That, like sometimes we think those are just arbitrary things that Jesus is doing and people are like, that's so cool. I want to follow this guy. Not but untrue, Not however. untrue, it is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cool. But they're looking for the, right. a deliverer. right. And so you kind of want that guy on your side. Yeah. And you think if he can do that, then what could he do when the confrontation with Rome happens? Yeah, right, yeah. Hey guys, thanks so much for
0: listening to part one today of a multi-part series called Crossing Into Easter. Make sure you check back in next Wednesday at noon for part two. And as always, we love you all. Thanks for listening.